Well, I don't think there's any other way to respond uh, to that video than just to ask you to put your hands together and to celebrate that amazing story of redemption. Can we do that? Amen. My name is Chris Carr. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Harmony. So thankful that uh, you've decided to join us as we uh, worship Jesus here together this afternoon. And I hope that our time together uh, this afternoon will help you to do that like you've never done it before. Uh, I now want to go on and talk about uh, how you can have your own redemption story, how you can experience the same kind of grace that Bo has experienced. Uh, to do that, um, we're going to turn to Titus chapter 2 uh, this afternoon. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to meet me there. If you need a Bible, grab one from the chair in front of you, and you can find the passage on page 784. Uh, by the way, if you need a Bible, feel free to take that one home uh, with you as our Christmas gift uh, to you. Now, while you're finding uh, Titus 2, I want to talk with you for a moment about redemption stories. Redemption stories. Uh, redemption stories are very popular in our culture nowadays. And just to make sure that we're all on the same page at exactly what a redemption story is, a redemption story is normally a story about how a flawed but often likable individual really messes up, uh, but then by some heroic act comes back to redeem himself, uh, oftentimes by saving a whole lot of people. So popular Christmas redemption stories include Ebenezer Scrooge, The Grinch, Scott Calvin in The Santa Claus, and of course, John McClane in Die Hard. And I know there's some controversy about this, but Die Hard is a Christmas movie. If you don't agree, just get over it. Amen. Amen. Of course, redemption stories aren't just found at Christmas. Others include such notable characters as Anakin Skywalker... Severus Snape, Gru, trying to hit all the demographics here. And then there's Jean Valjean from Les Miserables. And yes, I do know about Les Miserables. And that's because my wife has been a longtime speech and drama coach, and she made me watch the movie one time. Although I do have to tell you that after watching the movie, I started calling it Less Miserables because that's how it made me feel. Although, to be honest with you, it is one of the greatest redemption stories of all time. For me, however, the quintessential redemption story is Tony Stark. Iron Man's alter ego is a very broken figure, and yet he's also very likable, uh, and he screws up royally in pretty much every Marvel movie, but then by some major heroic act, he comes back and he redeems himself. Most notably in the last Avengers movie when he literally sacrifices himself to save half of humanity. Now, as powerful as redemption stories can be, there's a big difference between our culture's conception of redemption story and what a true redemption story is. In other words, there's a big difference between the redemption story of Tony Stark and the redemption story of Bo Brockett. You see, Bo isn't the hero of his story. Jesus is. Bo couldn't redeem himself and Bo didn't redeem himself. But you know, that's okay because Jesus could redeem Bo and Jesus did redeem Bo. And this afternoon, I'm going to take a few minutes to tell you how the same can be true for you. Let me be clear about something. There's only one hero that can bring about true redemption and that's Jesus. You can't redeem yourself 
no matter how hard or how heroic of an effort you make. But that's okay because you don't need to play the hero if you allow Jesus to play the hero for you. He can redeem you and he will redeem you. Let me show you how. Follow along now as I read our text, picking up in verse 11. The Apostle Paul writes this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So verse 11 gives us the big picture of redemption, and then verses 12 through 14 give us the details of redemption. So we begin with the big picture of redemption, and in verse 11... We learn that redemption is a gift that's available to everyone through the person of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Uh, Redemption is a gift that is available to everyone through the person of Jesus Christ. It's a gift because it comes to us through God's grace, meaning that it's not something that we can earn or that we need to work for. Instead, God freely and unconditionally offers it to us, and it's a gift That's available to everyone. Note the verse says that uh, the grace of God has brought salvation. That's another word for redemption for all people. Now, this doesn't mean that, that all people are saved, but rather it means that God makes salvation available for everyone. And, and he does so, the Apostle Paul tells us, through the person of Jesus Christ. The word appeared in verse 11 refers to what we're here to celebrate today, to the incarnation, to God appearing here on earth in human flesh so that he might save us, i.e. redeem us from our sin. So I wanted to say this to you today. Uh, If you are here and you have not been redeemed, you need to know that redemption is available to you. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from, what you've got in the past. God offers you a gift, the gift of salvation, of redemption through his son. And, And I would invite you today to Take him up on that offer to receive the gift that he has so graciously offered to you, made available to you through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, maybe that sounds interesting to you. Maybe you're thinking, okay, but I really need to know more. Well, if that's the case, I'm going to give you more here because now we're going to go on and we're going to talk about the, the details of redemption, which again we find in verses 12 through 14. And in these verses, we learn three essential things about redemption. Uh, we learn the plight, okay, uh, the plight from which we need to be redeemed, the price with which we can be redeemed, and then finally, the purpose for which we are redeemed. So we're going to talk about the the plight, the price, and the purpose of redemption. We'll begin with the plight from which we need to be redeemed. Now, you might be asking, well, why do we need to be redeemed? What's this whole deal about? Why in the world do I need redemption? Well, it's a really good question, and the answer is found in the imagery behind the word redeem. Uh, This word pictures a slave being freed from his master from captivity by the payment of a ransom. 
Uh, The New Testament was written uh, within the Roman Empire in the first century A.D., And in the first century Roman Empire, uh, slavery was ubiquitous. In fact, uh, slaves made up a huge proportion of the population. And if a slave was going to be free from his master, in other words, if he was going to be redeemed, his freedom had to be uh, purchased by the payment of a ransom, and normally a very large ransom. Uh, This means that our passage is trying to get across that we need to be liberated from slavery. Specifically, slavery to lawlessness or, more simply, sin. You see, uh, sin is our master. It owns us. And as long as we're in bondage to it, it controls our life and ultimately our destiny. A destiny that, if we aren't redeemed, will ultimately end in hell, where we will be separated from God forever. I realize that there are times uh, where we like being in bondage to sin, Uh, We we may or may not realize this, uh, but whether we do or not, we can really enjoy sin. This is true of everyone, and and that's because sin can be fun. Now, I I might not be able to get you to do this, but can we all agree today that sin is fun? Come on, don't be oversaved on me here this afternoon, all right? That's not actually a word, but but it, it, it does describe what many of us religious and, and church people uh, try to pretend like uh, in order not to, to admit that we struggle and even we enjoy sin on many occasions. Because the reality, the truth is that we do. And here's how I know that. Uh, if we didn't enjoy sin, we would do a lot less of it. Here's another reason that I know that. Because I wouldn't have nearly as much to do as a pastor if people didn't enjoy sin. And we just simply wouldn't do it if we didn't enjoy it. So we should admit that, that we, we, we enjoy it. But here's the problem. While sin can be fun for a while, it always leads to death. It always leads to death. It leads to the death of our health, the death of our relationships, the death of our dreams, and the death of our joy and of our peace. Let me give you some examples. Uh, if you are an alcoholic you will find that that sin will lead to the death of your health. If you are someone who gets angry all the time and bitter and refuses to let go of bitterness or you refuse to forgive people or you just allow yourself to be in codependent relationships, you're going to see that your relationships are destroyed. You're going to find that you see uh, your joy and peace goes out of the window. If you, if you make a bunch of mistakes, especially when you're young, you're going to see that it's the death of your dreams. And again, in the end, sin leads to the ultimate kind of death, which is eternal damnation. So, so you might enjoy sin the entirety of, of your life, at least your life here on this earth, but the ultimate end of sin is death where you spend eternity separated from God in hell. And so listen, this is the plight facing every one of us. Again, I just say to you, it's our culture and the devil and even our flesh does everything that we can to get us to ignore that, this truth, to get us to pretend like it's not the reality, but it is the reality for every single one of us. We all come into this world in bondage to sin. From the moment that we're born, we're in captivity to it. 
And that's why we need to be redeemed. It's why we need someone to pay the ransom to purchase our freedom. And that, of course, leads to the second thing we learn about redemption from our passage. And that's the price with which we can be redeemed. At the end of verses 13 and 14, we're told that Jesus Christ came and gave himself for us. This means that the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, paid the price so that we can be freed from captivity to sin. Uh, The core concept here is one of substitution. Jesus gave his life in our place. Because of sin, our lives were forfeit, but his life was sacrificed instead. Let me give you a phrase that's the very core of the gospel. If you're here today and you wonder what Christianity is fundamentally about, I can tell you in four simple words. It goes like this, Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. I was in bondage to sin and therefore facing an eternity in hell, but Jesus came and experienced hell in my place, and so now I'm free, now I've been redeemed. If there's one thing that I want you to walk away with today, just one thing, It is this, is that Christianity can really be summarized in these four words, Jesus in my place. And friends, this is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is not about family. It's not about gatherings. It's not about gifts. It's not even about church services. Now, I know I have just spouted there cultural heresy, but I can say it completely confident that it's true. How can I say that? Well, because I'm basically just quoting Jesus. Here's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. He says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let me carefully but but quickly walk you through this verse as it's one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. The Son of Man is Jesus' favorite title for himself. I think that's probably because it highlights that he is both fully God and fully man in one person. So he's the God-man, the God-man who came not to be served, but to serve for us and to do so by giving his life as a ransom in our place. The the literal rendering of a ransom for many is a ransom in place of and for the sake of many. This is why Jesus came. This is what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus paying the price in our place and for our sake so that we can be redeemed. So that again, we might be able to have a redemption story. And that leads to this. The third and final thing we learn about redemption in our passage is the purpose for which we are redeemed. Verses 12 and 14 clearly tell us that God redeems us so that we might live for him, so that we might passionately live for him. Look at verse 14 one more time. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus redeems us to make us his children. Who, his children who give themselves lock, stock, and barrel to him. 
You see, before redeem, we live for sin. And at times, that's pleasurable for sure, but it's also bondage. It's enslavement. It's only when we're redeemed that we become free, free to serve God. I, I know serving someone might not sound like freedom, but when it comes to serving God, it is because that's what we were created for. God made us to serve him, and it's only when we do so that we experience true freedom. Now, listen, you're going to serve something. You are, going, you are serving something. The question is, are you going to serve something that's going to lead you to life and freedom or something that's going to lead you to slavery and death? So I realize that if you're not a Christian here, you might think Christianity is constraining, it's confining, that Christianity is actually where your freedom is taken away. And you know what? Sometimes the church and Christians give this idea, and I'm sorry that that is the case, but the, true, the truth of the matter is, is that freedom is only found in following Jesus Christ. It's only found in finding the redemption that he offers through his life, death, and resurrection. And as long as you try to find freedom outside of Jesus, you will only be enslaved, and ultimately that slavery will lead you to an eternity in hell. Now, that's probably not what you want to hear on Christmas Eve. I get it, okay? But what you, what you need to hear on Christianity, or on Christmas Eve, and what you want to hear are probably two different things. So I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Because what you need to hear is that you need to hear that you need to be redeemed and you can be redeemed. And when you are redeemed, that is when you will truly find freedom and you only find freedom in Jesus Christ. My favorite part of Bo's redemption story is when he relays the moment he was redeemed. I don't know if you caught it or not, but that moment came when he said to God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. That's when Bo became free. That's when his sins were forgiven, his debt was paid, and his new life began. And so, if you don't yet have a redemption story, I want to invite you to give it all to God today. If you will give it all to him, he will give it all to you. He, he will give you forgiveness. He, he will free you from bondage to sin. He'll give you the power to be who he created you to be and to do what he created you to do. And along with that will come true joy and peace. I'm gonna pray here in just a moment. And as I do, if you need redemption, just ask God to give it to you and he will. Believe that Jesus came to redeem you and your redemption story will begin today. This Christmas will be the greatest Christmas that you have ever experienced. This Christmas will be a life and eternity changing Christmas for you. And, and all that it requires of you is you simply to receive the gift that God has offered to you. So if you need to receive that gift, receive it today. On the other hand, if you already have a redemption story, here, here's what I want to say to you. All of you with a redemption story, I want you to listen to me here. This is most of you here today. Be filled with gratitude today. Be overflowing in your heart with, with rejoicing and praise and thanksgiving to God that you have a redemption story. Why? Well, because you only have a redemption story because of God's grace. 
Bo ended that video by saying it was all of grace and your redemption story is all of grace. You didn't earn it. You, you, you didn't work for it. You didn't do anything but simply receive it. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. That's what we all deserve. Every single one of us because all of us sin. And the penalty and what you earn for sinning is death. But the verse goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so you were destined for death. That's what you deserve. But God gave you eternal life instead through Jesus Christ. And I, I want to point out to you that this gift that God gives Jesus is a very costly gift. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says that we weren't ransomed from our futile way of life by perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ like a lamb without defect. Do you know what it costs God in order to redeem you? It cost him everything, everything. And so you have a redemption story because God was able to give, uh, willing to give up everything so that you might be redeemed. So as you open gifts this Christmas, be reminded that the greatest gift that's ever been given is your redemption through Jesus. Through Jesus dying in your place to liberate you from slavery and free you to serve God. Thank God for your redemption story this Christmas. And then you know what you need to do? You need to go out and need to passionately live for him. Because the Apostle Paul tells us that that's why we are redeemed. So that we might be a people who are zealous for good works.